Welcome to another episode of Unwise Girls. I am your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. Jane, welcome back to our funny, funny podcast all about the world of Rick Riordan's world of Percy Jackson, of world of demigods and monsters and diaries. I'm I'm so glad to be back here, uh, finally diving into our first spinoff book before we even finished the original series. That's right. Today we're reading The Demigod Files. It's like a collection of stories that Rick Riordan published a couple of months before the last book. Mm -hmm. And it's got three short stories in it, some fun drawings, some cute mini games. It's got everything you would want. Some like neat little uh, character interviews. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's, eh. I mean, it's... (laughs) It's fine. Like, as a book, I don't know. Like, I think the, the, the short stories are the real heart of it. Absolutely. I think, like, not not to give away my thoughts too early or anything. Uh-huh. But I think this book is mostly, like, fine TM. Mm-hmm. But I think Sword of Hades is kind of, like, worth the price of admission. I would say so. Um, But let's start with the first story, I think. Yeah, so uh, we're going to change up the format slightly this episode. Uh, since we're talking about like three distinct stories rather than like interconnected chapters, uh, we're just going to hit summary, discussion, summary, discussion, summary, discussion, and then fucking about and talking about all the odds and ends that are left in the book. That's right. So without any further ado, Percy Jackson and the Stolen Chariot. During class, Percy hears some bizarre noises coming from outside his school. Peeking out the window, he sees Clarice fighting off a pack of monster birds. He makes his excuses and bails on class, running outside to help her fight the flock of feathery fiends, much to Clarice's chagrin. After some coaxing, she explains that the birds were sent by her siblings, Phobos and Deimos, who have stolen Ares' chariot from her after she was told to take it out and return it as a test. They're his regular charioteers and don't like that Clarice got to go, so they sabotaged her and stole the chariot. If Clarice can't return it to the Temple of Ares, the aircraft carrier USS Intrepid, she'll be in deep trouble. At this point, Phobos, who looks like a ratty teenager, appears. Percy and Annabeth confront him about the chariot, and he responds by inflicting a nasty hallucination on Clarice, making her see whatever her worst fears are. When he's done toying with her, he tells them that the chariot is across the water where all the little wild animals live, and vanishes. Clarice explains to Percy that Phobos is the god of fear, and that Deimos is the god of terror. She also explains that it's not just the charioteer thing that's annoying them, they're also kind of being sexist jerks. The ritual of taking the chariot out and then returning it at sunset is usually reserved for sons of Ares, so they're bitter that Clarice is getting a shot. They decide that Phobos must have been talking about Staten Island, which has a zoo, and hop on a ferry to go there. On the way, the ferry is attacked by Deimos, a huge guy covered in, like, ridges of scars, riding a giant sea serpent. Clarice and Percy knock Deimos from his perch before bailing from the ferry and swimming to Staten Island themselves. They find the chariot, attached to four flaming horses, in the middle of the zoo. 
Of course, this is a trap, and Phobos and Deimos jump them as they try to get to the chariot. In the ensuing fight, Percy ends up in an aquarium with Phobos and the chariot. Phobos attempts to scare Percy with a hallucination, which Percy sees as Camp Half-Blood burning, with his friends begging him to make the choice. Thankfully, the fish in the aquarium are able to snap him out of it, and Percy surprises Phobos by stabbing him in the arm. He flees, leaving Percy alone with the chariot, which reverts to the form he first saw it in, a Harley with a seat made of human skin. He rides it over to Clarice and Deimos, the latter of whom has transformed his appearance into Ares, trying to make Clarice grovel. However, with Percy's help, Clarice overcomes her fear and attacks Deimos, driving him away. Percy and Clarice have the chariot, but it's almost sundown. Percy comes up with an idea to get it back in time, drive the chariot over the water directly to the USS Intrepid, with him keeping the water solid the whole way. Miraculously, this works, and they get the chariot back to Ares' temple just in time, and Percy leaves before the god arrives and smites him on general principle. But not before he tells Clarice that when he saw his friends in Phobos' vision, she was one of them. The end. <laughs> so, what do you think of this story? That was good. I, it was, I mean, it wasn't anything, like, super spectacular. It was pretty straight, like... Percy's at school. Oh, Clarice is there. Big action. Ah, moment. And that's that's kind of all it is. But I don't know. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a fun little adventure, and I think it benefits a lot from being the uh, Clarice content that we've been crying out for for a couple of books now. It really is. Because, like, these books aren't, like, super... I wouldn't call them the world's like tightest reads, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of stuff packed into them at, I guess, like a fairly limited space. So, yeah. like, may- maybe this is the Clarice moment that we wanted that we wouldn't necessarily be able to get in one of the mainline books. I mean, if she's not in Last Olympian, I'll riot. But yeah, oh, I get what you sure. mean. <laughs> she. I mean, we're always saying more Clarice, more Clarice. This is more Clarice. I'm happy for it. This is more Clarice. This is firmly moving her into friendly rival territory after we've gotten kind of some confused stuff on that where it kind of seemed like that was the thing at the end of Sea of Monsters, but then she was quite hostile in the books after that. Mm. This feels like this This is where we wanted things to be. Yeah, I'm enjoying... It feels natural too. It feels... Yeah. It feels really like... Yeah, this is where they would be. Like, they're not the best of friends or anything, but, like, Clarice cares about Percy at this point. Like, insofar as they've known each other for a good few years now, they've been through some tough stuff together, and they, they're, they're, they're friends. They're friends, yeah. basically, now. Or, like, she wants to be friends. And I think what's interesting is that the part where Percy describes like who he sees in the dream, mm-hmm. she's not explicitly stated as being there. So I think there's some ambiguity as to like, well, was she actually there or did Percy just like say that to, you know, make her not feel bad. I wonder if that's maybe like more for the audience, just so that we can have that like nice awe moment reveal at the end. I think so. Or I think like, because it also says like, you know, Annabeth, Grover, and all the campers or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she was one of all the campers. (laughs) 
<laughs> because they're all not they're not all Percy's friends. We've seen that with like what was discussed with like Castor, how Percy had never really get, gotten to know him. Yeah, there, there's obviously like a world of difference between that relationship and him and Clarice. But it is like the fact that he wasn't like, no, you're smelly. You weren't in my dream. It's it's an evolution, <laughs> for sure. It's growth. Phobos and Deimos are like they're fun villains. They're pretty fun. What's like what's the draw of them to you? I like the like just the idea of they have like this one gimmick that they've really been relying on, and as soon as like you find a way to get around that even slightly, uh, they're completely useless in a fight, and you can just beat the shit out of them. They do have a terrifying power, which is that they are the literal embodiments of fear and terror. Mm -hmm. And fear and terror, pretty effective strategies most of the time. Yeah. Would you believe it? But also, I guess it's a little bit of like a hashtag metaphor. Like, if you pierce through the fear and the terror of it all, really, the problem isn't so hard after all. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. I also think that, like, it does a good job of uh, setting up a line that we haven't really had defined yet. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, the difference between a god and a godling. Right. They're they're clearly minor gods. Yeah, like, the, they have some awesome powers, but they also have, like, very serious shortcomings in other areas. Whereas, like, to, you know, pick someone like Ares... He would not get beaten that easily at anything, even if it wasn't his area of expertise, you know? No. Or even like, and this goes to a later chapter, gods versus minor gods. Um, The power is just like, not incomparable, but there is like a more well-rounded nature to them where they don't Mm -hmm. just like embody one thing and that's their whole thing. Like we kind of get some more more terrifying things from the the gods themselves which yeah definitely phobos and deimos also are gods but you know it's not the same they're not like the 12 olympians listen there's there's a reason that the planet is named mars and the moons are named phobos and deimos yeah basically (laughs) but yeah clarice getting to like fight back against her asshole family that's Mwah. Yeah, I I like that we're picking up on like that thread that was set up in Sea of Monsters, and we haven't really seen developed since. There there hasn't been time for it, a eh? but mm-hmm. also, I think there's a point where like you can establish that this is an element of a character, and not necessarily need to go into it further, especially if they're like a more supporting character. Yeah, I get that. Like annabeth is gonna we're gonna hear that like oh she has a weird relationship with her family and we're gonna take a few books to explore that but with clarice we're gonna get like a few paragraphs maybe a chapter a short story if she's lucky exactly and i i I feel like this is a pretty lucky turn even if it wasn't super special i thought it was yeah i thought it was fun it's definitely like of the two kind of fun but unremarkable short stories in here i definitely think this is the best one i would say so i i think just because we're more attached to clarice as a character oh absolutely but like if we were super into like charles beckendorf yeah exactly 
then the then the next one might hold more interest for us. Uh, yeah, it's really strange to find that the um, the ant arc is like the weakest portion, and yet somehow. So that is an incomprehensible statement to like anybody who hasn't watched Hunter <laughs> Hunter. I feel like. <laughs> like watch Hunter Hunter. Just... The bit with the giant ants is very good. Yes, it is, but also. <laughs> You can't just like say something like I thought you were gonna be like, <laughs> we just came off of Hunter Hunter, so see or like something like that. But like no, you just said it. You just said it's weird that the Antark is the weakest. Like that doesn't make any sense. Listen, sometimes I say things that are more for you than the audience. Well, I appreciate that, Jane. You are a good friend of mine. <laughs> Likewise. What else do we have to say about this? One of my favorite moments here is that. The chariot has damn it. like a. <laughs> I was I was gonna say this as well. It's very good. The the chariot has a sign stuck on it that says "official zoo vehicle," and they've just like <laughs> made them this strong enough so that nobody like is like, "Huh, weird chariot." Oh, official zoo vehicle. <laughs> you you also had some thoughts on this. Yeah, no, I mean, I was basically just gonna say what you did. It's a funny joke. It's one of those like fun interactions between the mythological stuff and the real world. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things. I feel like the mist is one of those things that will never quite be perfectly defined as to how it works. So getting to play around for a little bit is, I think, to its benefit. Oh, yeah, it would. I mean, it would probably be like a really bad idea to set concrete rules for the mist. That's not really how the mist works. Yeah, it's there to paper over why does nobody notice this. And it does that pretty well. Yeah. You have any last points before we move on to the next story? I feel like the the final, the way that they solve the last problem is really fun and just like uh, nice. It's almost like I'm not sure if it's like foreshadowing for something that happens in one of the other book uh, short stories with like Percy using his water manipulation powers. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just Percy's go-to if he needs to like True. be in a really tough situation. I suppose so. Well, not always. I mean. He's gotten through plenty of situations without using his water powers, like the the fight against uh, Antaeus. Mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying, though. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that moment. It's so good. But before before that, Percy Jackson and the Chimera Ants. The second short story is Percy Jackson and the Bronze Dragon. In June, after the Battle of the Labyrinth, Capture the flags back on in full force, with Hephaestus' cabin holding the flag in a huge upset, with the help of blue team members Apollo, Hermes, and Poseidon cabins, of course. The red team, Ares, Athena, Aphrodite, Dionysus, and Demeter cabins, are out for blood. After the promise of a gentle trouncing from Annabeth to Percy, Hephaestus' counselor Charles Beckendorf tells him he should totally ask her on a date to the big 4th of July fireworks event. Though Beckendorf quickly gets distracted when his crush, Aphrodite counselor Silena Beauregard, walks by. During the game later on, Beckendorf and Percy see some giant ants carrying a bronze dragon head toward their hill. And while Percy gets caught by a surprise attack by Annabeth and Silena, Beckendorf runs for the head, saying it's a sign from Hephaestus, but gets captured by the ants. The other three launch a rescue op. Reassembling the bronze dragon, which was once the camp's guardian before it went and got lost in the woods for years, after finding its body in a crater, presumably made also by Hephaestus, 
They chit-chat until it gets properly reattached, at which point they send it to cause problems for the ants, while they rescue Beckendorf from inside the anthill. However, the dragon's going a little wild since they didn't do all the proper calibrations, and they have to distract it while Beckendorf jumps on its back and shuts it down. Silena congratulates Charles on his bravery, but Annabeth pearls Percy into the tree, saying he was even braver. And then takes him prisoner, spurring an ambush so she can go capture the flag. Percy's left confused. Did she plan all of this just to win the game? But is even more confused when she asks him out to the fireworks. The end. What'd you think of that one, Jane? Uh, this one certainly is a story that exists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's fine. I think it's cute. I don't know. It's no sea of monsters. There's nothing horrifically offensive in these chapters. Exactly, yeah. These were, I don't know. I like this for what it gave us. It, it got us another Capture the Flag game, kind of. True. It showed us some like different sides of the camp politicking, how it's not always the same camp cabins are working together. Yeah, you know, that's something I hadn't even considered, but it is cool to see how it kind of shifts around if someone doesn't upset and manages to get a flag who's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really good premise. And mm-hmm. I I like that we get uh, some more exploration of, like, who Charles Beckendorf is. Yeah, Beckendorf has been, like, definitely one of the more sidey side characters. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, like, the point of all these stories, is we're getting, like expansion on characters who maybe haven't had a lot who have been in the books but haven't had a lot of play i could see that for sure i think this does a good job of expanding beckendorf maybe not as much silena though hmm so one of the like criticism i have seen like floating around of the percy jackson series which i'm like i can kind of see where it's coming from but i don't completely agree with it Mm mm-hmm is that it's kind of weird towards girls who act in a feminine way. Yeah, I can see that, I think. Yeah, I think this is definitely like the most blatant it's been. Okay, what do you what do you mean by that, I guess? I mean just like the, the description of Silena Beauregard as like what is it, like Battlefield Barbie or something? Cause she's wearing like all fashionable pink camo uh armor or something. Yeah, I I get what you're saying, I think. I feel like that's more like the Aphrodite cabin specifically is kind of treated weird in that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think it's a J.K. Rowling problem. Oh, absolutely not. It's a very, like, people make very similar criticisms and very rightfully of, like, if you're too hot in Harry Potter, you're evil. Yeah, you have to be, like, an eight who, with, after, like, a bath and some makeup, scrubs up to a ten. That's, like where you are otherwise you are either ugly evil and stupid or pretty evil and stupid basically i don't think this is remotely similar in that way i think oh, absolutely like, not what we get with aphrodite cabin is like they're the funny aphrodite kids all they care about is you know their hair makeup you know looking pretty and it's not just the girls either like it's everyone in aphrodite cabin yeah i think i don't remember was it actually in this story where there was a, a comment about, like, oh, there was a fight in Aphrodite Cabin and it was just people throwing, like, Gucci handbags and lipstick and stuff around. And my personal headcanon is because it wasn't specified whose it was, uh, they all wear that. I mean, they certainly almost do. Mm-hmm. 
they're all like makeup YouTube influencers. <laughs> and I think that's less of a, I mean, so far because like, I can't necessarily think of any other examples other than like the Aphrodite cap and stuff. I would say so far it's more of a problem, not even a problem necessarily because Aphrodite kids are so bit like they're Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that they're just kind of those caricatures. Uh, if it manifests into a problem later on, I could see that though. Yeah, I'm definitely not saying that this is like a huge sticking point or anything. I guess it's it's the first time that I've thought about that criticism, looked at what's in the book, and thought, yeah, no, I can kind of see where you're getting that actually. Yeah, although I would say I like how Silene is presented here. She's definitely a fun character. She is, and we get. I like the I don't know battlefield battlefield barbie stuff a little bit i don't know i get like the criticism of it for sure Mm -hmm. but also like it's not like that's how she's not presented like derisively for it and it's not like that's how all the girls in the series are portrayed i think the the issue that again this is like completely anecdotal and just like stuff i've seen floating around is that it it is the thing of like either tomboys or Siling the Beauregard. No, I don't agree. With what we've seen so far in the books, I wouldn't say that's true. Annabeth, I wouldn't describe her as a tomboy necessarily. Mm-hmm. Nor Thalia. Nor a lot of the characters. I, get, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm the weirdo here. Maybe I'm not seeing it, but... I think I'm the weirdo because I keep like bringing up and arguing for this position that I don't even fully hold myself. You looked at the subreddit once and it broke your brain. I think it was a YouTube comment actually, which I think that's worse. I that is worse. <laughs> I don't know. The ant stuff is nothing. The, the ants could be literally anything. Yeah, I mean they're kind of cool. Like it's cool to know that the forest is super dangerous in that way, other than like how it's already been presented. Yeah, we haven't really gotten a lot of that stuff. Like, most yeah. most monsters that we've seen in there have been put there by someone else deliberately. Right, like the scorpions, the hellhounds, all that stuff. Yeah. So just to know, like, oh, this is definitely a place that's completely full of deadly monsters? Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's full of monsters. It's so big that you can lose the monster hive and also a dragon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I enjoyed this. I liked uh, a little bit more just like, I guess, fluff, like a little bit of Percy and Annabeth stuff. Yeah, that's and nice. Because this this basically makes sense for where the relationship is at post uh, pre like end of Battle of the Labyrinth, but post the battle of the Battle of the Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like not nothing like confirmed going on, but you can see that they're getting closer. And they also don't have that rift that they kind of started to have at the very end. Yeah, that kind of... We get the impression that that's something that developed over the course of the summer. But this is, like, immediately after the battle. Mm-hmm. This is... This is the June. This is the June of it. Mm-hmm. A couple, a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on this? Nah, I got nothing. It's just, it's a fun little... This feels like maybe, like, the first... A repurposed draft for, like, the start of one of the books. Oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. hmm I think maybe the last thing I would have to say is that, like, the ambiguity at the end of, like, 
did Annabeth actually set all this up just to win Capture the Flag? No, that is really good. Best part of the story. Like, I kind of wish that it was just plausible enough that maybe she had. Uh Uh-huh. Because, like, as it stands, I don't think that's true at all. I don't think she would have risked Beckendorf getting mulched over Capture the Flag. I, um... You were the one theorizing, like, two episodes (laughs) ago that she was bringing Tyson into the labyrinth to kill him. Yeah, and I was wrong, so... You were wrong, but, like, she does have that little, like... There's a hint of that in her. She's ruthless. I don't think she is turn a person to goo in front of their crush because you fucked up the timing on getting the dragon back ruthless. Well, what I could see is that, like, being a mistake and, like, her having set up everything else. I guess. So your theory is that she just, like, dug up the dragon in the hopes that it would distract Beckendorf halfway through the the match. Because it did. Like... Well, yeah, uh, but only because he saw some ants with the head. Yeah, but... He seemed very, like... You know, maybe she set it up somewhere and the ants drug it off. I don't know. I, I like the... I, I think this is feasible for Annabeth to have done if she, like, knew that they could have gotten him back. I I disagree. I think it would have been good if it was maybe, like... If we stuck with this exact scenario, it was... Yeah, she planned it, but it went horribly wrong and she's trying to claim that it was nothing to do with her and sweep it under the rug. Sure, yeah. I can see... I see what you're saying. That might have been more interesting. Hmm. I, I do still like that the ambiguity is there, though. Yeah. So I guess we can move on to the last story now. We can move on to the one that people are actually buying this book for. And I guess also the sneak peek of like the last book at the time. Right. Percy Jackson and the Sword of Hades. During an end-of-term exam, Percy's school is invaded by Mrs. O'Leary, who makes him ditch his test to follow her to Central Park. Once there, Percy spots a golden deer being chased by Thalia, of all people. Neither of them were expecting to see each other, and things become even more complicated when Nico D'Angelo stumbles out of a nearby bush. While they're glad to see each other, they realise something is off. The children of the Big Three are all gathered together. Just as they realise it must be a trap, a hole in the ground opens up, and the children fall through it, straight into Hades. They land in the Garden of Persephone, where the eponymous Queen of the Underworld explains that Hades was forging a new weapon, a sword with the keys of Hades embedded into it. This weapon would be able to basically one-shot anything you hit with it, and could even upset the balance of power between the big three. And it's been stolen shortly before its completion, by the titan Iepetus, father of Atlas, and a demigod working for Kronos. Persephone has sealed Hades, but can't for long and the perpetrators may find another way out even while it's being sealed. Despite their misgivings about working to Hades' benefit, all three kids agree that it's better that he has the sword rather than the titans. Persephone gives them a flower which points in the direction of the thief, and whose petals fall as the thief grows closer to escaping. The flower takes them towards the fields of punishment, and Sisyphus, who claims to have information that can help them if Thalia takes a few goes pushing his boulder, After explaining why he's in Hades to begin with, Sisyphus tells them he saw a one-eyed figure in a dark cloak, moving something long and concealed through this area. And after some threats from Nico, confesses that he told this figure to speak to Melano, as she would know the best way out of Hades. Sisyphus then attempts to bolt, but Thalia rolls his boulder back on top of him, and the three leave him to his fate. Percy suspects that the demigod is Ethan Nakamura, 
But before he can think any more about that, the group are attacked by daimones, specifically Keres, battlefield spirits who feed on violent death. The demons are dispatched quickly, but Percy is injured in the fight, and poisoned. Ambrosia and Nectar only mitigate the damage, it needs treatment from a god or Percy will die. The gang come to the river Lethe, which saps your memories when you touch its waters. Percy holds back the flow long enough for Nico and Thalia to cross, then tries to do the same for himself. His shoulder is so weak from the poisoning that he can't hold it and is submerged in the waters, although thankfully his ability to stay dry keeps his memory from getting wiped. They move on and finally arrive at Melino's cave. She's the goddess of ghosts and emerges from her cave to show each kid a person whose death they regret and feel pain over. Thalia and Nico both see their mothers, but Percy hasn't asked... But Percy hasn't actually experienced a death that he hasn't made peace with yet, and sees through the illusion. Melano accidentally reveals that she made a deal with Kronos to break down the barrier between the dead and the living, so that she could flood the world with ghosts, in exchange for helping his agents escape. Sure enough, Iepetus and Ethan Nakamura appear at the cave mouth, and despite Ethan's pleading that they should flee through the nearby exit, Iepetus refuses to back down from a fight, especially now that he has the Sword of Hades. The fight goes badly for Percy and the gang, until Percy has the bright idea of dunking Iapetus into the river Lethe, sending himself tumbling in with the Titan. Percy once again manages to keep himself dry, while Iapetus has his mind totally wiped. Ethan, unable to get the sword back, runs for his life, leaving the kids with a mind-wiped Titan who now thinks his name is Bob. On their way back to Hades' palace, Bob heals Percy's wound, which takes the sting out of having to give the sword back to Hades. Percy forces the god to swear on the sticks that he'll never use the sword against the other Olympians, and while Hades is annoyed by this, he seems far more annoyed at Persephone who, it transpires, forged the sword herself against Hades' express instructions. He threatens her before leaving. Persephone seems to regret nothing and gives each demigod a rose to crush that will take them back to the mortal world. After seeing that the newly christened Bob is being well taken care of, the trio retreat back to the surface. The end. So, what do you think of this story? Okay, now this was epic. This was extremely good. If this was, like, its own little book, I would not be mad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something so appealing about every aspect of it. Yeah, it's, it's like, it feels like the perfect between-book short stories in a lot of ways. I think so. It's got fan service like <laughs> the all the big three kids unite and go on a big underground adventure in Hades and oh look Persephone is there and oh it's oh this kid a new titan is there uh, it's I don't it, it's very much like that oh definitely but I also think like it has the stakes set at exactly the right level because if you're reading like a short story ahead of a major release where the premise is like, oh, they need to save the world from being blown up. You are not going to believe that for a second because it's like, they're not going to do that before the next book in a short story that not everyone will read. Uh Uh-huh. But just having like a powerful sword that the Titans might get is like, it's a really good idea for something that is definitely a problem and could conceivably happen in a little short story. If, like, next book, a titan had showed up, or, like, a villain had showed up, and 
had just had this really cool sword that killed you instantly and could raise the dead, I would see, I would not be like, I feel like I'm missing something here. Yeah, like three lines of exposition from another character could cover the circumstances of how they got it. Yeah, or like, even none of it. It would just be a villain with a cool weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact that this does exist, and it has, it just has this great little mini structure. Um, One of the things that I like the most in here is Persephone. Yeah, definitely. Persephone is terrifying. She is absolutely pants-shittingly terrifying, and also, thankfully, nothing like the movie version. (laughs) Oh, God. I started reading the short story, and I saw that Persephone was here, and I was like, oh, no. Is this going to be, like, she's, like, what what was it in the movie? Was she cucking him or something? Yeah, she, I think... Uh, oh, Bang Grover. Grover. Grover, right. Yeah. Why did we watch that movie? Um, because uh, Rick Riordan made the mistake of selling the rights to 20th Century Fox, and we made him pay for it. It's true. I'm sorry, Rick. I'm sorry to us. <laughs> Nobody's come out ahead in this in this scenario. Mm-hmm. There's this, like, she's so... I think people think Persephone very, like positively in general yeah she seems quite sympathetic especially because a lot of like modern portrayals of her are very like like in hades town she's not necessarily good but she is like hey hades um maybe it's like this guy came down here all the way from the all the way from the top, and he seems to just, like, want his GF back. Maybe it would be good to, like, not put a binding contract on him. Uh, and, like, in in uh, Hades' game, uh, Persephone is just, like, uwu soft mother. Wait. Wait. I thought we were talking about that. What's Hades Town? You don't know Hades Town? No? What are you talking about? Oh, sh- we gotta do a bonus episode on Hades Town. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yes, it's so good. It's an album from like 2010 about basically like it's telling the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, but like right, okay, through the lens of like what if dying was going to work in like a company town run by the ruthless like capitalist Hades. Christ, it's really good. It sounds like something. Yeah, it does. It sounds really good is what it sounds like. <laughs> there was a musical recently, I think, that came out. I haven't seen it. I'm I'm too afraid of it ruining the album for me, but we should listen to the album for like a bonus <laughs> episode or something. I, I'm sorry, but I hate music. Yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, I care. Damn, you got me on that one. I care, I promise. But yeah, like in, in Hades, the game... Like, she is just Zagreus's cool mom. Well, yeah, and seeing her more like we see all of the gods, especially, like, the Chthonic gods, and I guess, like, spelling out the difference of, like, this is what she's like down here, and she would probably be a lot more lively up top, mm-hmm. is, um, I don't know, it makes for really cool character building, I guess. It's kind of weird uh, if you think back to Lightning Thief, uh-huh. Where Percy's like, man, Hades is pissed at us. 
sure it would be nice if Persephone was down here. I'm sure that she would help to um, calm him down a bit. Apparently not. Yeah, I don't know. Persephone's just ter- kind of terrifying. Like, there's... The description of her makes her sound like a dead flower, basically. Yeah, she's very, like, gaunt. And, like, her face is, like, cracking, I think it's described at one point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good stuff. Um, I, th- I feel like this almost goes back to, like, what we talked about in the last few episodes about, like, very interesting, like, god writing. Yeah, the, des- the descriptions have definitely been, like... I mean, Phobos and Deimos were kind of nothing, but that's because they're nothing characters. Mm-hmm. For the actual Olympians, we've been getting some good character designs. Yeah, the... Yeah. Um, On the page, anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll get to it. There's this part where, like, Percy looks at her, and it's like... He, like, says, like, the wrong thing. He's too disrespectful. And she, like, throws him a glance, and it's like cold flowers are blooming in my stomach and that's like such a like yeah that's good shit what else stood out to you about this story uh i mean it's got a really nice self-contained setup and payoff near the end Mm-hmm. with like the river lethe stuff oh for sure like that's just it's such a clever way to get rid of an olympian or like an olympian level creature a titan, yeah. Yeah. It's just, well, you can't get the super powerful sword, but you can just dump his head in this river and he will forget literally everything. It's kind of horrifying. It's a little bit of a terrible thing to do. It kind of goes to, like, what Calypso was saying in the last book. Like, mm-hmm. are the titans, like, inherently evil? And no, they're not. Like, Yeah, in is... fact, Bob seems to be pretty chill. Bob seems to be a super nice guy. He... He was like he saw Percy was hurt and he healed him instantly, which is not terrifying at all. Yeah, he does build a little house out of bones, but I think that's because he doesn't know what the bones are. Probably, probably. So, and like the river in general is such a. I think it has one of the best moments that we've gotten. Like it's the best moment in this entire sequence of short stories. Definitely is when there's this big river, and if even a single drop of water touches you then you'll start to lose all of your memories. Um, and they're, like, trying to figure out all these different ways they could get across. But, like, Percy, who is, like, injured at this point, he's pretty badly messed up, mm-hmm. just, like, uses all of his strength to, like, arc the water above them so they can walk under it. Yeah. And he, like, has to, like, keep himself dry within it because... But it's like, oh, it's really, like, good tension. Definitely, because, like, again, like with the Sword of Hades itself, you can kind of see that these are, like, believable stakes. Like, Percy could just get, like, a splash on his face and forget something really important to him. For sure. Because this is all very, like, concerned with the past in a lot of ways. Like, the whole segment with Milanoe is very like mm, it's very concerned with the past like there's this part where like thalia is looking among all the ghosts and percy is like bianca's probably in elysium and it's like well i'm looking for my dead mom actually mm-hmm. um and i that's like really good and 
the fact that Nico doesn't even say, like, we should, like, try and revive Bianca, and he doesn't even say, like, I want to go look for her, I think that shows a lot of, like, where he's at. I'm so glad that he's gotten, like, genuinely really good character development. Absolutely. It would have been so easy and such a, like, easy pull, like, oh, remember Nico has a sister he's sad about? Mm-hmm. But, like, he's... Like, he's listening to his sister. She was like, hey, I need you to move on. Or not move on, but, like, I need you to stop doing this because it's hurting me. Please stop being evil. Please stop being an evil fucked up boy. And he's <laughs> he's not... He's, like, an anti-hero now. He's, like, Yeah, he's edgy. just kind of edgy. He's just edgy and cool. I do find it like, kind of weird that in the, like, final confrontation with Melanoe... Uh-huh. It kind of seems like the way to defeat her is to not have a dead mom. I mean, yeah. This isn't like a judgment on the book or anything. That's just kind of how it panned out and it's weird. It's funny. Um, Percy like doesn't have any super significant deaths around him in that specific way. Like she couldn't have called on to like Bianca because that's already been dealt with. Yeah, Bianca's ghost came back and forgave him. It, uh, It couldn't have been zoe because percy knows that she's you know in the stars forever now yeah it couldn't have been i don't know could have been caster because he didn't give a shit about caster couldn't have been lee fletcher because who cares again um (laughs) i mean not who cares but just like apollo presumably yeah apollo probably cares at least a little bit or else he's a huge asshole and i don't want to read a series (laughs) Um, i mean he is an asshole but yeah i get what you mean I guess he's got some trials to go through, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Daedalus, we we know Daedalus is happy down there, too. So yeah, like he, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of surprised we didn't get a Daedalus cameo, actually. Yeah, I think... Or even is... just, like, they get from Asphodel to the Fields of Punishment over, like, an overpass that Daedalus has built. Maybe this is also kind of intended for people who haven't read the Battle of the Labyrinth yet. Well, but, like... Everything that's happening with Nico is contingent on the shit that happened to him in Battle of the Labyrinth. I agree, but I don't think it, like... His characterization is different, for sure. But it also... If I was just, like, reading this, picking this up at the library, and I had, like, just read The Titan's Curse, I'd be like, okay, they're having a grudging, like, ally... I think they are very explicitly not in a position where that could happen. Like, Nico yells, I wish you were dead, at Percy. I know, but that doesn't mean, like, <laughs> that doesn't mean, like, a kid reading it after that book wouldn't be like, okay, I guess this can make sense for here. I think uh, that kid should just buy a copy of Battle of the Labyrinth, especially because I guess it's cheaper. I already said that this kid got from the library. Why are you making this kid go buy books now? Oh, yeah, no, that's a fair point. You know, not all kids can buy a new Percy Jackson book every month like you can. (laughs) (laughs) And I need to give my spare copy of Lightning Thief to the charity shop. Good idea. Then a new kid can pick it up and be like, hey, what are all these these notes in here? Hey, no, no, I didn't put any notes in that one. Oh, that's good. I'm not putting the one with notes in the charity shop. It probably says like, haha, penis or something at some point. I'm sure that uh, somewhere in that book, I got bored and drew a pair of boobs. (laughs) <laughs> probably uh what else is there to say we're mrs. off track O'Leary. mrs o'leary is his pet now officially that's extremely good. good 
extremely good. More like inter-god secrecy and politicking is always nice. More like, not necessarily good guy, but definitely more honorable than you would expect Hades. Yeah. Because he's, he's kind of been treated like crap this series for basically no reason. A little bit, yeah. Like, he's the only one who didn't break the compact the big three made. And he was actively against making a new sword for his own protection because he didn't want to fuck up the balance of power. But everyone was like, oh, this guy's evil. This guy's fucked up. He's the death god. Mm-hmm. I mean, did he break it? Did... What, were... No, because um, Bianca and Nico were born before World War Two. Right. Oh, wait, no, World War Two. That's why. Never mind. Yeah. Because he was supporting Hitler, his son. I don't know if he was supporting Hitler. No, because that's what the fuck the fucking summary says. It's the kids of Zeus and Poseidon versus the kids of Hades. I don't think that means that hate. We already had a book about how the the actions of the child don't reflect on the on the parent. Oh, you know what? That maybe that's why that was in there. <laughs> because people like us kept saying, "Hey, wait, isn't Hitler like Hades' kid?" God, we can't talk about this anymore. <laughs> I hate talking about this so much. I. I think Rick wants people to stop talking about it as well. For good reason, probably. Um, Please just print a new edition. You can take that bit out. I mean, it's a pretty important lore moment. No, it gets kind of... It gets different justifications later. I feel like you could make some cuts and changes to that to make it less horribly egregious. Maybe. You're right, we've ragged on this already. Sisyphus... Sisyphus is basically uh, Tantalus 2.0. This time he's good. Sisyphus is like a gross little troll doll. Yeah, he's he's a horrible, grotty little man who's pushing his boulder. And he tries to run away from the boulder. And he gets pushed back up under the boulder. But he's such an awful person that you're kind of okay with that. Yeah. They call him sissy. <laughs> that's, that's a thing that happens to like Nico's like how about I call you sissy instead and he's like I don't prefer that and he's like well whatever god what, oh. the, what the fuck was it that I saw it was a tweet that was like getting force femmed and then changed back repeatedly over and over again throughout the day sissification it's <laughs> <laughs> a really good tweet it is uh, Ethan Nakamura is here? He certainly is here. He doesn't really do anything. No, not really. It's kind of made to be like, oh, what's the big mystery? And it's like, oh, is Ethan Nakamura here? And it's like, <laughs> oh, maybe that's a red herring. But no, Ethan Nakamura is here. He's he's just here to tug on Iapetus's shoulder and say, hey, we should not do this stupid thing. So then Iapetus can say, no, I'm going to do this stupid thing. I guess it shows that like, hey, this character we saw last book is... He's still got some, like, thoughts going on there. But remember, we can't put Daedalus in in case a kid just picks this up from the library. You know, Jane... (laughs) I... Don't make me try to think before I have an argument. You can't make me try and have foresight. That's Um, true. He's kind of a nothing character. I've... I guess we just kind of need a new... Like person who does errand work yeah exactly new errand work person who does errand work for the titans now that luke is fucking dead i guess so yeah 
maybe next book we'll get some more some like better Ethan Nakamura stuff. I was fine with what we got last book, but uh, I want to expand it more. I want to be more of a character. Yeah, I mean this this story also kind of makes me think there is another missed opportunity in the second one. What's that? Which is we could have had a book that was all about moons. We just needed a villain in the second book who was who has like the same name as a moon. Oh. Because we got Phobos and Deimos in the first story, and we got Iapetus in this one. We were so close. There's not a moon named after ants? Uh, I don't believe so. Hmm. We'll have to check on that later. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to eat my words on this one. My thought was that this is just like Heaven Will Be Mine. Is it? There, Iapetus is there. Oh, shit. You know, I was... I was reading this and I was thinking, I've heard Jacqueline say the word Iapetus a lot before, but he's uh-huh. never shown up in this series, right? Why, where do I remember that from? It was from Heaven Will Be Mine. Thank That's you for right. filling in that blank in my brain. Everyone go play Heaven Will Be Mine. <laughs> it's a really good it's game. It's very good. Yeah. Jane still hasn't finished it, but she knows it's really good. I, I haven't gotten like one of the various endings. But yeah, uh, Titans don't have to be inherently evil. Dogs can be your friend. Uh... The big three kids can all go hang out and have an adventure together, and that'll be an awesome moment for all the fans to remember. Um, yeah. And at the end of the book, you can just have some nice setup suspense and a border. Have some burgers. I, you know what? I feel like actually this story would have been quite frustrating if you were like waiting on book five. Because yeah. at the end, Nico just restates the cliffhanger from the end of Battle of the Labyrinth with no further development on that plot line. I guess when did uh when did Battle of the Labyrinth come out? Was that that was two thousand eight? I so, don't have my copies of any of the mainline books on me to check the dates in the front. Yeah, this was a little under a year afterwards, so I could see like oh, I need a little bit of a refresher on that. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it it came out like a couple months before the last Olympian. Uh, any other big thoughts on the sort of Hades before we move on? Uh, I don't think so. Just a really fun, solid story with a lot of good setup for the next one. Agreed. So I guess it's time to talk about the like the miscellaneous stuff. Yeah, there's some uh, fun little side activities in this book. Yeah, we got a crosser puzzle. Uh, Actually, I don't know. You know, I don't know why I was giving you so much shit for saying that maybe someone would pick this up at the library. Because you got a library copy, and the copy that I've gotten uh, has quite clearly been stolen from a library and then sold on the internet. Because <laughs> it's got all the stamps in the front. I see, I see. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes libraries sell their books, right? I suppose so. I mean, I guess if this had been stolen from a library, maybe the puzzles would have been filled in. But right. But Let's start by talking about the interviews, I guess. Yeah, the interviews are fun. The Stoll brothers are just Fred and George. Oh, fuck. Why did you have to say that? Well, I said it the first time they appeared, and you were like, no, that's not true. We don't know enough about them yet. They're not, like, that evil. They're just Fred and George. Okay, but they're, they're like, good universe Fred and George. Yeah. arms dealing to the government. They're not torturing children to test dangerous drugs on. They ended all. They end their interview by being like, "Hermes Cabin is one big happy family, and that's why we love it." But and oh, I think this that's... is where the thing about Aphrodite Cabin having that big fight was. Yes, they uh, 
they they do the uh, to the fairest that I had to explain to you like ten episodes ago. Oh yeah, that was on the bonus show where you're explaining Discordianism to me. Oh right, right, right. Um, <laughs> uh, except they write for the hottest on a a mango, and throw it into the cabin, <laughs> and uh, they get their comeuppance though because Aphrodite Cabin knows makeup curses. It's true. They're fine. They're they're fine. Yeah, they're, they're kind of fun. They certainly do steal things, as their name would imply. They do steal things. Uh, what do you think about the Clarice one? It's mostly just, like, nothing, except for the last thing, which kind of implies that she's scared of Percy. I mean, he beat her dad up. Well, yeah. And also stabbed her brother. So I would be scared of him. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it makes sense. It's just not something we've ever seen any hint of before. This is a new dimension to it, and I'm glad we're getting it. True. I I like it as well. It's, um, I don't know, just more Clarice stuff. She's very, like, I like, I like how, like, these interviews are presented. Like, they're, like, Rick Riordan coming up and being like, hey, kid, what do you think about this? Yeah, that's something we haven't actually talks about is that this book is framed as like a guide written by an in-universe Rick Riordan who is the chief scholar at Camp Half-Blood. A very funny idea for sure. Yeah and it completely blows a hole in my theory that Paul Blofuss was kind of meant to be a self-insert because no he just made one. And you know what I, I have to respect that. I think there's a slight difference between that kind of self-insert and this kind of self-insert. I suppose. Like, this is the kind of self-insert where it's like, oh, I'm going to now uh, show you a, a like a long recap of the first thousand pages of this. God, no, um, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. As opposed to like, oh, this is my self-insert. Uh, yeah, she's really cool. Hang on a second. Uh-huh. You, you can't accuse me of saying things that are incomprehensible with the Hunter Hunter ant stuff. Uh-huh. And then just say something like that and move on. As if you are not referring to Hamsteak. Everyone knows Homestuck. They don't. I am living proof of that. Jane, you made a Homestuck reference last episode without me prompting you. <laughs> this is your fault. You're moving the goalposts. <laughs> um... Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think um, the Annabeth one is probably the best interview. I got kind of confused halfway through this one. Well, why? Well, because I thought that it was kind of like the series poking fun at itself. Where, like, Annabeth is like, oh, you know, Percy's an idiot who doesn't know really basic shit, even though he's supposed to realize it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a joke about, like, Percy has been going to Camp Half-Blood for three years and somehow knows nothing about Greek history. Uh-huh. And so every time something new happens, he has to ask Annabeth what the fuck is happening. Uh, I mean, that's not the... I, I... Yeah, I can see what you're saying, but I also think that's not really true of Percy's character. Like, he was the one who, like... he the, His favorite class was uh, Mr. Brunners and the Lightning Thief. Like, he knew he knew a good amount of stuff. He's called back to it a few times. I don't feel like that's been reflected... No, like, I to, to be clear, I'm not. I'm not dumping on. That. Listen, I'm a Doctor Who fan. Uh huh. I understand that there has to be a character who stands around asking questions. <sighs> I just. I thought that was like the joke that this scene was making, and then it 
like hard left into oh no this is the romance stuff again i think that like it's a combination of things like it's that kind of like oh percy is often like the main character so he doesn't really know he's the self-insert right he's the kid self-insert <laughs> because he doesn't know what's going on necessarily like maybe he knows a lot more of the common stuff which is i think reflected in the text that he does know a lot of that stuff like uh yeah him saying like if only persephone was here uh for instance in the first book um he did turn out to be wrong about that well yeah but nobody would know that unless they knew the gods are real true but um but i think like it comes as a combination of like that like oh the kid self-insert thing and also the the romance thing which if if, if, it's decent yeah no it's it's a fun interview no i yeah i like it a lot um the part where she's asked like if you could design a new structure for camp i I like that one a lot yeah it's just it's it's always nice to see that side of her character and to be reminded that you know she has interests outside of like stabbing things Mm -hmm. and romantic stuff getting to see like the thoughtfulness of it like not just her being like oh did you know that this was designed by da 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 in the year and da 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 like that's that's often what her like mm-hmm. architecture stuff amounts to and that's yeah. like fine but um being able to see like uh, i mean it's especially, it's especially fine because this is like a road trip series so often so <laughs> having someone there to be like here's a fun fact about this like that's that's fun that's good yeah um but hearing her be like well this is why i think like a temple would be good to have here this is how I would design it. Like, I think that's all, it's all very like teenager with really lofty aspirations. Like I'm going to make mm-hmm. it a really cool temple that does this and it has perfect acoustics. It's very like, it's, 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 yeah, I enjoy seeing it. I do think it's really funny that she wants to build like such a cool temple to people who a year earlier were seriously considering killing her. I mean, yeah, but they're still the gods they worship. I mean, if you don't worship them as someone like this, you're probably going to get it in the neck. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I think we saw that with Hera. Mm-hmm. Presumably, if you don't know about them, then it's fine. But like, if you do know about them, then it's like, well, you should probably be respectful at least. Yeah. Um, and it's nice that like when the question is like, of all your camp half-blood friends, who would you most like to have with you in a battle? And just, like, the instant answer of, like, oh, Percy. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. He can shoot water at people. He's got a yeah. sword. They're, they're, they're great allies. What do you think of Grover's interview? It's nothing. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> Grover has kind of, I think, reached the end of what he can do in this series. <sighs> I don't want to say that yet, but, like... There was nothing interesting from him in this book, for sure. Mm-hmm. The interview was not even really funny. I don't know. It's just, wow, he is pot goat, so he does eat tin cans. He says, blah, ha, ha, because he's a goat. Um, uh, he's a ba. A baha blast. He, he does drive a Mercedes Benz. Oh, fuck. The Percy interview. The Percy interview. You know what? I I like the callback to the first book. Where, like, the scariest fight he's ever been in was the Minotaur. 
when he didn't know what the fuck was happening and his mum was dead, as far as he knew. Agreed, because, like, we've talked about, like, oh, that's one of the best battles in the series. Oh, absolutely. We've we've gone over that one repeatedly. And I it is, like, one of the scariest moments in the series also. Like, so I'm glad to see that that's, uh, you know, there's a little bit of memory in that. Um, I don't know. I guess there's not a lot to Percy's interview either. Yeah, I mean, the, the interviews as a whole, I think as the a major element of it is kind of padding the page count. <laughs> a little bit that's a lot of this book um like there's a nice little section where it's like you know what if you're the new kid what what should you do and that's Mm -hmm. that's nice you know um i think let's go on to the rest of the stuff now yeah there's not a lot left to cover uh we see annabeth's trunk a picture of annabeth's trunk it's pretty boring um it certainly is stuff that has been described in the books and also a teddy bear a teddy bear that's that's that part's cute um yeah, I like that it says don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. The map of camp is kind of basic and doesn't tell us anything we didn't already kind of know. Kind of. I mean, it's it's nice to get like a better picture of it. Like, oh, I didn't think that like the lake and the river were connected in that way. You know, that kind of thing. Like, Jacqueline, that's what a lake is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was like, like um, splitting the camp in two, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, no, I can see that. And I think the scale of it, like, maybe it's not, like, accurate scale, but, like, the cabins are in a very, like, not the place that I would expect them to be, I guess. Like, Wait, how do they get from, like, Halfwood Hill to the cabins? I've been thinking about this. Um, there's no bridge. <laughs> well, I was, there's not a bridge in this, so I'm like, do they just have to swim across the, the river? Is that it? Do they just have, like, boats? That'd be kind of cool. That'd be, that would be cool. Uh, maybe it's... There's, like, a little ferry over the lake. Maybe there's, like, a small section that we don't see. Or, like... I don't know. But, like, the whole, like, half of the camp is partitioned off. And I think that's... It's 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 not, it's not cool to get a better picture. It's not necessary, but it's like, oh. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe we want a map, you know? Uh, I think the only thing left to cover... Uh-huh. Is the worst, most inexplicable part of this book on many levels. The uh, the files, the titular files. Uh, mm-hmm. These this is um, a series of like, like oh, there's it, it's it's all the like I guess biggest characters in the series, kind of. Um, I guess. Kind of, we get Zeus, Poseidon, and Athena. We got Ares. Percy, Annabeth, Grover, Chiron. Uh, and we get, like, you know, some little, like, oh, information flares about them that we already know all that, but, it's, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we get some portraits. Oh, boy, these are... Um... When I, like, looked on the Percy Jackson subreddit a little while ago... Because you are intent at every minute to make me sad. No, no, this is the same... The same one that I told you about last time, where I found oh, okay. like the stone toss meme. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I did. I saw a post that was like, "Oh yeah, the the art that the person, the, like, there's some art on that subreddit that's used for like the side and everything." Yeah. And someone was saying that basically saved the fandom, and I did not believe that post uh, until I saw these. These are like little. It's hard to talk about visual stuff in a podcast. 
there are some really bad portraits. Uh, Zeus looks like Dumbledore. <laughs> I put a couple of them up on the Twitter if you want to uh, go and have a peek for yourself. Yeah, put them up on the Twitter. Uh, Poseidon is like the creepy uncle. He... He's a creepy uncle. He's reclining with a weapon and also like a Mai Tai. To me, like, Zeus's, Zeus's beard is like too big and Poseidon's beard is too small. Yeah, the, like, Poseidon should be, like, way more chilled out looking. Yeah. And Zeus, I think even in the books he's described as having, like, a very close crop beard. Because he looks like, you know, a powerful businessman. Mm-hmm. As His opposed to normal little... Zeus, but wearing a suit. He's a little too unruly. Uh, Athena is fine. Athena's head is at a weird angle. It's, her shoulders are kind of tilted, so it's like, okay, I can see that. Um, but she's like looking from behind instead of like getting a like a full like I guess I don't I'm not sure what the like f- right terms are. It looks like her head is at like a ninety degree angle on like completely twisted round. Kind of yeah, and it's like I don't know why they chose that specific angle for her. Yeah, it, like it doesn't seem particularly related to like her character or anything. I guess she's kind of like tricky, sneaky. A little. Um, the Ares one is, like, the most boring possible interpretation of what we know Ares to be. Ares looks like fucking Duke Nukem. He looks like the Terminator. <laughs> it's like, oh, he, he's he got red eyes. Okay, cool. Like, I was gushing about how cool the Ares design was, like, I think last episode. Probably. And this is certainly a completely literal interpretation of that in the worst possible way. He just looks so boring. He looks like a... I mean, he looks like an asshole, so, like, that's that part of it works, right? I because, guess. But other than that, it's just, like, nothing. Uh, and then there's Percy. He He's looks his, eight. He looks kind of eight. I mean, this is this may, this is maybe, like, 11 or 12-year-old time at the beginning of the series, you know? I suppose. Um, so I can see that. Sword's the wrong fucking color. His sword... Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's certainly not a bronze sword. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't look. How, I don't like how he's looking at me, or Annabeth. Annabeth's weird too. Annabeth is very weird. I don't know what it is about this style, but it does not sit right with me, especially in Annabeth's portrait. It's just odd. I mean, she also looks like twelve or thirteen or whatever. Um, yeah. Also known as Wise Girl. Uh, shout outs, podcast and Wise Girls. The best Percy Jackson podcast. Yeah. Uh, Grover. Continues to be nothing. He just looks so bland. I don't know. The bell, the, the collar continues to confuse me. He ha- He's wearing cowbell. Uh, do goats wear bells? Is that a thing? Maybe, but it's the cowbell. Yeah. And then Chiron. Chiron, I... I messaged Jacqueline about this. Uh, where I feel like this portrait has vindicated everything I said about him in, like, the first few episodes. This is not what I want. Yeah, huh? Chiron is rocking a neckbeard. He is. He looks <laughs> like an Amish gamer. <laughs> it's just bad... It's not... incredible that he can look like both of those things at once. And yet, you're right, he does. 
I kind of like the haircut. Like I like, um, like he looks like a history teacher. You know what I mean? With the yeah, haircut, I guess. But I think with the beard just throws it off for me. Just like, give him the full beard, for God's sake. Yeah. Or, like, no beard, even. I don't know if he's described as having a beard in the series, but, like... I think he's described... He's definitely described as having a beard, which is why Pierce Brosnan has, like, the weird fake beard in the movie. Right, yeah. But, like, I feel like he would look better without the beard. Um, Like, in yes, this piece correct. of art. Um, And not to, like, disrespect the artist, because, like, I... These are all good... This is all good art, but it's just, I'm like, sure a lot of work went into these. Yeah, and it's not, like, bad. It's also just, like, extremely, like, clashes with all of my image of Percy Jackson, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we could go in right now and, like, talk about the new, like, official, like, portraits or whatever. The the much better ones, you mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like we've been going for a while, though. Yeah, we've, we've gone pretty long, which I guess makes sense, because this is the first episode we've done covering an entire book. That is true. Small as that book may be. Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Should we go to our segment? Yes, yeah, time for our segment. So you this is... hinted that you had, you foreshadowed yeah, that you had I... something to say about this. I've definitely got something. Okay. Percy Jackson is not cishet. My nomination for this week is Clarice. Uh, mm-hmm. It's stated specifically that she is the the first girl to be able to drive the chariot in a long 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 time um i think that i think that like you know all of her family is like super mean to her and like i don't know i think she's got big trans energy in this oh absolutely i mean also looking at her canon height Uh uh-huh which is like 17 feet tall yeah clarice is definitely trans and definitely welcome on the show extremely it's unfortunate that she has to deal with uh, transphobia. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that took me a second. Jesus Christ. Who's your nomination for this week, Jane? Uh, I don't know. We've got slim pickings this week, folks, because the, the middle story is just about heterosexuality. A little bit. Uh, Fuck. Uh, Sisyphus has been force femmed. No, pick a different one. Come on. <laughs> I could see some argument for like, I, I don't see why any given like child of Athena or Aphrodite, like. Yeah, pretty much everyone in Aphrodite cabin, actually. Yeah, I, I feel like they are all probably like bisexual or like, maybe not all of them, but like there, there probably isn't a straight person in there. I seriously doubt it. Yeah. So, this was The Demigod Files. Is it worth picking up? Sure, for one of the stories. Get it from your local library. Yeah, don't don't go out and buy this one. It's fine. If you want to do a fun crossword puzzle, go to the newspaper. If you want to do a fun crossword puzzle, uh, let me know and I'll just DM you a picture of the crossword puzzle out of the book. Yeah, or I'll like <laughs> tell you some good apps to download where you can do daily crossword puzzles. That would probably be better. But the, it oh, was... I, uh-huh. I found out from an ad earlier, this is only very slightly related, that I have 188 IQ. Do you? 
Apparently, because uh, it presented just a very simple Sudoku puzzle, and I was bored, so I screenshotted it and solved it. Mm. Uh, which means that this this app has officially certified me with 188 big brain points. And that's about as legitimate as like real IQ tests. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that like qualifies me to get into Mensa. Probably. <laughs> I think that'll do it for us today. Yeah. If you'd like to reach the show. You can drop us an email at unwisegirlspod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at unwisegirls, where we've got all our links, including one to our official Discord server. If you like us, you can check us out by continuing to download our episodes, maybe leaving a nice rating and review, and checking out our Patreon, patreon.com slash unwisegirls. For a dollar a month, you get a special role on our Discord marking you as a camp counselor. For $3 a month, you get an even specialer role as a friend of Dionysus and access to all of our bonus content. Uh, if you're feeling especially generous, for $5, you get the specialist role of Aphrodite's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special shout out at the end of episodes. Uh, speaking of which, uh, this week we'd like to thank uh, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica, who has taken mercy on my immortal soul and uh changed her name so that i don't have to pick a funny nickname for her every week is that the full is that the full name no no (laughs) (laughs) no i wish i thought of that but no well thank you everyone thank you very much we'll probably have a bonus episode up pretty soon about hades town because i'm gonna force jane to listen to it yep even though she hates music i i do but for now As we say at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye.